This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you had an awesome 4th of July weekend this past week, because I sure did. It's still really, really hot out here in Arizona, but we got a special, special guest show. Um, special guest for this show today is a friend of mine named James Wright. We met a couple years back, and he has a ministry called What You're Gonna Do. What You Gonna Do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a motivational speaker, life skills. He, he runs mentoring program. But I'm going to leave you hanging just for a minute because before we jump, dive, get deep into this, uh, I'm, I, I want to uh, go into a commercial break because we're going to set this up. And then we're going to jump in with James Wright, who has the ministry called What You Going to Do? W-Y-G-D. We'll be right back after this. Do you love the Father Matters show? Did you know you can find us on Facebook or fathermatters.org? Or if you miss us Saturday night, you can find us on blogtalk.com or soundcloud.com. And if you want to contact us directly, you can always call 602-774-3298. That's 602-774-3298 for Father Matters. Well, we had a little technical difficulty right there, Jeremy. <laughs> That's always fun on a live show, right? But see, there's a reason why before we started the show, we said, why don't we just open up a little bit, go to a commercial break. We had no idea that James' <laughs> earphones did not work. So we had to make a quick, uh, a quick move, and hey. we're back in business. Live radio. What You Gonna Do is founded by my friend, Mr. James Wright. We met a few years back. I wanted the brother on the show like back in 2015. (laughs) And he was like, Vance, give me a little time. I'm trying to make this right. We're trying to set this up. Fast forward to 2018, Mm -hmm. July of 2018 now. And brother, you are here. I'm glad you're here. Glad to be here. Ministry Mm -hmm. that you got going is is, is powerful. You're doing some deep things. James Wright, welcome to the Father Matters Show, my man. Thank you. Glad to be here, Vance. (laughs) Before we get into your ministry, what you're going to do, who is focused around and why, tell us a little bit about you, James. I was born and raised in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been out here since about 2000. Um, I never would have came to Arizona, so this was something that God had led me out here. It's kind of like Abraham when he told Abraham he had to get him out of his um, and get him out of his land and get him to an unknown land. So God gave me an opportunity. Uh, based on some bad decisions I made, maybe we'd get into it during the radio station. And the three he gave me was either I can get killed, kill somebody, and go to jail, or move out here. So I chose to move out here. Never, never came out here, never visited. Uh, my brother was out here at the time. And so I just packed up and came. And then ever since I've been here, God's been blessing me every since. Yes, he has, brother. He blessed me with you when we met yeah, yeah. back in the day. And, and, and your ministry is a, is a part, would you say, because you're working with youth. Working with youth. Mm-hmm. And a part of your ministry says uh, educational institutions do not meet the standards to adequately, how do you say that? Accurately. Adequately. 
There you go. Prepare teens for the challenges they face socially, physically, emotionally, and financially. Mm -hmm. It had to be something that you personally experienced as a teen to make you want to get involved with something like this. Is that right? Right. right. Mm -hmm. Unpack that a little bit, brother. Um, Actually, I've been working with teens for about 20 years. Um, My mother's side of the family is all educators. So um, as I was working in Milwaukee Public Schools, um, at the time, I didn't know um, this was a vision and gift God had gave me until I got out here. And so, again, like I said, myself being a teen and looking at some of the things. So now when I look at the education system, we're not designed to uh, help students succeed, if you want to say not in a negative way, but we're not preparing them. So, um, as like I said, when I went to go look at my program, I said, okay, how can I help? And because sometimes when you look at the education system, especially like in the inner city, city, you might get more of um, economic issues. You might get more uh, psychological issues and things like that. And so when the teacher's in a the classroom, they don't have an opportunity just to focus on the kid mm. because so many things are going outside. Sure. So you're just thinking, what well, is this kid? He's coming to class. Um, he has a bad attitude. He's hard-headed. No, no, there's some issues going on outside of there. So my goal is to try to help the school system handle that part of it. Because um, when you got you know, 38 students in a classroom and you got one teacher, it's kind of hard to manage. So my goal is to come in alongside with the education system or any youth uh, organization to help them with that area there. But why did you start what you going to do? What did you experience in life or what else did you see that make you say, I want to start something to help kids? And how did you come up with right. what you're going to do? Um, like I said, it was a vision given to me by God. Um, I just experienced the same thing, came out of, um, grew up in the streets, um, thought I had a direction, which I didn't. Um, And so as I started, as myself coming into adulthood, started seeing the things that I should have done, I saw younger brothers that didn't do. So one thing I would ask God, I said, you know, why would you let me come through the streets and go through all of this stuff? He said, no, I want you to go back and teach the youth. The streets is not what they think it is. That's right. And so I think that's where it all came from. And then once I started just working with youth and started really seeing myself in them, then that was my opportunity to go back and just start trying to start ministering to them. And and I like what you said earlier, because I say this a lot in our Father Matters workshops. You know, Mm -hmm. we got teachers now. They they can't even teach. They They got to be counselors, probation officers, parents, uh, parents. Uh, yeah, everything you, to be everything. And, and, and I met a guy who he's, he's a counselor at a school and he shared a story with me. It was this little boy, not a little boy, I guess he's seventh grade, uh, James. And mm-hmm. um, for about a week, he was wearing a hoodie to school every right. day. Right. And the teacher would tell him, you keep wearing that hoodie. I want you to take that off your head. Take it off. It's, it's hot. Why are you wearing a hoodie? Exactly. exactly. He wouldn't take it off. He refused. The teacher sent him to the principal's office. And the principal was asking him, why is he wearing this hoodie? What's going on? You got to take it off. The weather's hot as Arizona. You know, in right. May, it's, it's already triple digits. This was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So what happened was when the kid got upset and finally took the hoodie off, James, mm-hmm. he had scars wow. on his arms from where he used to cut himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he was hiding that. Right, right. And by the time he got to the counselor, the counselor was able to unpack what was going on at home. Right. And... Uh, seeing his his mom's boyfriend physically abuse his mom, mm-hmm. physically abuse his younger sister, right? Okay, right. verbally abuse him. Right. The, what the young boy was doing was taking it out on himself. On himself, yeah, yeah. So are you seeing and hearing and, things and, and like it's, that? It's, it's ironic you bring that up. Also, if you look at my website, I just don't um, deal with um, regular youth in high school. I deal with kids in DES and DCS. 
foster care. I do that right now. Okay. And what you just saw is something very common because it's behind trauma. And that's another thing um, teachers don't understand. Um, it's a book called um, Teaching with Poverty in Mind. Uh-huh. Most teachers don't understand a lot of these kids are coming from trauma. Right. So when they come into the classroom, if you're not trained or experienced, then you wouldn't even be able to recognize it. So like I said, I work with um, uh, teens and youth and DES and DCS right now, which that's a big thing because they're traumatized and though the cutting and those type of things self-harming themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole nother environment or arena that we don't even focus on. So, um, you know, most of your kids might be in a classroom from a group home or something like that. So like I said, when they come into the classroom, a teacher has no idea knowing what's going on until, like you said, until it gets to the point a counselor or somebody is unable to unwrap that. But now you still got to deal with that part of the child, but you still got to get them to learn at the same time too. Right. Because if you go back 20 years ago um, and look at our education system, especially right now with the, the, the violence and the crime and the drugs, it's hard to teach in the classroom. Uh, most kids right now are, you know, special ed. So if you think about it, back when we was in school, special ed really wasn't known. Now it's known, and, and it's based on financial, psychological, economical situations. And mm-hmm. things. So now when this kid comes into the classroom, he's coming with a whole bunch of issues from home and then trying to come to school and, and, and um, uh, pay attention to class. They say, Focus. for instance, you got a kid who parent don't have health insurance and he has a toothache. Well, he comes to school with this toothache and nobody knows. And so now he's in pain. He's irritable. He probably didn't eat the night before. Or that morning. Or that morning. And then the first thing the teacher's like, why you why you won't do this homework? Why are you not paying attention in class? And so most teachers are not trained or know anything about that. So they won't be able to recognize it. And, and, and also, James, if you correct me on this, you're working with the education system. Right. The majority of students who are who are in special education are boys. Are boys. And then I'm understanding I was at a conference one time and I heard this person say, especially in the inner cities and like East Coast and Midwest type things, mm-hmm. special education basically is a holding cell for the juvenile correction. Right or wrong. Right. Let, let me tell you, they're they're so deep with it. Um, working out here at DLC, uh, Department of Corrections, my brother was working out at um, Prairie Vale and Lewis. So he was on the number side and he mm-hmm. said what they're doing statistically are already putting the numbers together. So most kids, by the time you're in seventh grade, um, if you're already flunking or not academically strong, by the time you get in high school, you're going to drop out anyway. So they are already preparing you yeah. for the sales and prisons and things like that right. when this kid is ready to drop out. I mean, out. even as early as now, like in the third grade, you got to pass a, your, your, your math exactly. and, your, and your English. You know, my son, who's just on his way to the fourth grade right. next year, I got all that stuff in the mail. He, you know, he's at the level he right. needs to be a little exactly. bit above. It's like, but... Think about some of those other kids. It's like if they're not at that level, they're going to either A, hold them back or move them forward. Mm -hmm. But go ahead and put them in a special education. Mm -hmm. Look, this conversation is just getting warm. (laughs) We're about to get hot. Yeah. (laughs) But before we heat it up, I got to run into this commercial. And then we get back. I want to pick that up because it's serious issues. You're listening to the Father Matters show with Vance Sims. And today's guest is my friend James Wright, uh, founder, president of the ministry, What You're Going to Do. And we're going to hear more from James after this.
Would you consider partnering with Father Matters? Father Matters is a nonprofit ministry, and all funds raised go directly to the Father Matters Ministry for Families. You could even become a partner today by going to fathermatters.org. That's fathermatters.org. And click the Donate to Father Matters icon. It's that easy. Or if you want to send a check, you can call for the address, 602-774-3298. That's 602-774-3298 for Father Matters. Father Matters, making better communities by supporting each other. Welcome back to the Father Matters Show. With all this excitement going on, Jeremy, I forgot to announce our new time. Yes, this is big. Starting in uh, August next month. I want to say, what, Saturday, August 11th, just to be, we're finalizing everything. But beginning in August, we will be going to 9 p.m. on Saturday nights on 1360 AM instead of 11 PM. And it's not like a good or bad or bad or good thing because we've got a lot of listeners at 11 PM. Jeremy, you and I used to talk about that. A lot of people on their way to places, they turn on a radio station, but we had the opportunity to move bump down to 9 PM. We said, why not try it? Why not do it? Anything. So, so, so tune in. We're going to be letting you know in a few more weeks what's going on. But beginning August of this year, next month, we are going to be the new time is going to be 9 p.m. on Saturdays here on 1360 KPXQ. But if you are just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show right now at fathermatters.org. Also catch the Father Matters show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. So again, next month, we're our new time on Saturday nights is going to be moved down from 11 p.m. to 9 p.m. And James, we was just getting warm talking about our young boys across this country getting uh-huh. set up basically uh how special education right. for a lot of these young boys <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, is basically a holding cell for the juvenile corrections. And right. you were saying again, your brother, they're already they are already statistically break that down again, man. So, so what what they're wow. doing is from from the education standpoint, um, if you get a child and I experience it by seventh grade, if he's not ac- academically strong, most likely we already lose him. Um, I remember one brother I had um, at the time, he was in 11th grade, and um, so the high school I was working at at the time was Precision High School in the South Phoenix. Uh-huh. And so the principal always wanted us to go back and try to get kids to re-enroll. So I had one brother, um, I tried to get him back in school, and so when I got him back in, I would get calls in my office. The teacher said, we well, you know he's acting up in class, this, this, and that. And so I finally asked him what was going on, and at the time we had the Ames test here. Okay. And he was straight with He said, look, Mr. Wright. He said, man, I'm in 11th grade. I can't do this stuff. He said, I'm better off staying on the block wow. selling pit bulls and selling drugs. He said, I got a better opportunity than doing that, which you know, I understood it. You know, you at 11th grade and the reading level is probably at 7th grade. Yeah. So what's the hope for him? So he finally just went on and dropped out. But thank God, um, you know, I ran into him years after that and he found a job. But just the point, you know, like that so like i said my brother he said what they're doing statistically they're already doing the numbers on the recidivism see because they're trying to figure out why do they keep coming back and so they already know by the time seventh grade they get to high school they're already going to drop out and then next you know we're already waiting on them in prison to 
No, put them somewhere like that. But and, and, and hanging on to that the, the, the concept of prison, not only are you doing awesome work in the community, you're working mm. with schools and organizations, churches mm-hmm. and agencies. Share with us some of the work that you're doing in the prisons and why, because you went from in the community to in the prison. What yeah. led up to that? And again, you know, God is always opening up doors and opportunities. You got to know when to recognize, recognize the opportunity. Okay. So uh, a friend of the family, he worked for the prison system, so he knew I do it a lot of speaking and stuff. So he said, would you come out and speak to my guys? Now, when he said Adobe, I kept thinking it was a juvenile. So the day that I was coming to speak, I said, well, how old are these guys? He said, oh, man, they about you know, 18 on up. I said, these are grown men? Huh? So what he did was, because um, my program is a nine-week program, and so um, I started the first nine weeks, and what I had to do is uh, rearrange it for for the adults. And let me tell you, man, it's the most blessing thing I love doing because it's iron sharpening iron mm. and a lot of these guys who are in prison man like anybody else they just made a mistake yeah. but society does a lot of judging and so now they have this this difficulty of trying to get back on track when they get out so the theme to this program I got is called 20, the first 24 hours because when a guy get out the first 24 hours that's going to determine where you're going to end up so um, it's actually a program it's a a 30, 60, and 90-day program, and these are guys who violated their parole because of substance abuse. Sure. And so I would get guys who on parole for six months, and they done did 10, 12, 15 years. They wouldn't even be out two days, man, and violate the parole and come right back. And some of that is why? Because there's a whole new world to them? It's, it's a whole new world to them. Um, I don't think we have a lot of things set up for them when they come out. Because you, you got to understand, when a guy comes out anytime after five years technology is moving so fast right now so 10 to 15 years everything then change yes uh, let me give you this a, a, a simple ahead. example you'll have a parole officer tell uh, an inmate or offender hey you get out on a friday come monday i need you to fax this 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 and this guy been in jail for 15 years he don't know Be, nothing being about told what to do being told what the machine looks like right some of them don't even know how to use a cell phone and, and look at this. Listen to this, because you know we work with the reentry population yeah. as well, and mm-hmm. we, we, we're founding. We just found out we bumping in uh, into the same, the same prison. So, yeah, same week. <laughs> that's this guy who used to work at a halfway house, and he told me he just had to get out of the industry altogether. He said, "Vance, let right. me tell you something. Between the POs and halfway houses, we used to bet how soon someone would be rearrested. Yep, they would bet." Like it's like a gambling thing, yeah, yeah. and he said also some of these they, 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 these halfway houses are like a machine, a profiting machine where some of these where they will release the guy from the halfway home, but yep. they still charging him for the bed. They so it could be anywhere bed. from five to eight guys yep. paying monthly dues on the same bed. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys just rather be home than yeah. in a halfway house. But speak on that, too, because this this is a profitable yeah. machine, what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. If you get a chance, Tracy Morgan has a show out called um, The Last OG. Okay. It's on cable. If you get an opportunity, watch that show, because that's what he's talking about, the recidivism. And there's so many life experiences within that show. So, again, like you said, so these guys go to a halfway house. Matter of fact, um. God has put it on my heart to open up one myself because guys tell me. They said, James, I don't want the halfway houses, man. Guys are doing drugs in the halfway yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm I'm out on substance abuse, but I go right into a halfway house where my parole officer put me there. And yeah. I'm telling him I don't want to go there because I don't have any anywhere else to go because what I've learned the first nine weeks, 
I deal with those guys. I ask them, what is your biggest fears? And these are the three things they said. What's that? Trying to find something where to live, um, trying to find a job, and staying sober. Those three things. And I had guys, when they get out that first 24, they're already scared, man. Yeah, they are. They're already scared. They done burned a lot of bridges with their family, friends, wives, uh, things like that. So they don't want them back home. So now they're just thrown out there. Um, some guys, you know, when they get released, man, they only give them bus passes of money. Right. Because they want them coming back. They, they don't they make money back. when they're out. They make money right. when they're in. They make money the, when they're in. The fastest growing industry right now is the private prison business. It's on the stock market. It's on stock exchange right now. And their thing is, because uh, my brother was saying um, one meeting he had out there at the prison, and he said the uh, the CEO or warden came out and said, he said, our business is to lock people up, period. But what I have to tell these guys the prison system have a job and you have a, a job to stay out. Because <laughs> if you've been in three or four times and something's wrong, and so my program, um, it's not a drug counseling program. I'm not trying to get them off drugs. I'm trying to get them to make it through parole, but to have a clear mind to understand their next decision. Because if you just did 15 years, you don't need to be going back, especially 40, 50, 60. There's nothing cool about going back to jail at that age. No. No, but most of them are so scared, man. Right. And, and I, I had guys who will come in to do thirty days or sixty. They'll stay another twenty or thirty days because they're scared. They don't have no game plan right. when they get out. Because at least they know they got food. They got a roof over their head, mm-hmm. and they know. And, and and I tell a lot of people, we're dealing with a lot of grown men, James, grown men. who are still dealing with little boy issues. Um, you know, when I did the program, the first thing the uh, the assistant ward told me, she said, James, because, you know, my program was set up for teenagers. And I, and I knew I had to change. She said, James, you're still talking to like they have a childish mind. Yeah. 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 Let me let me dive into this this, this uh, curriculum, brother. I mean, okay. I'm looking at the clock. Five minutes is about to go okay. by, like 30 <laughs> seconds. Right. Um, you got four focus areas, man. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at your website right now. Okay. And James is going to give you all his website information, everything. Because if you are working with youth, you're working with the reentry population, mm-hmm. I want you to get in touch with James Wright. But listen at the end of the show, and we're going to plug all this information. Your four focus areas, James, you have mm-hmm. personal development, mm-hmm. mental toughness, Building your success, building your success mm-hmm. and financial literacy mm-hmm. and break those down a little bit, James. And then if we got enough time. You got some uh, program units I want to hit to one, two, three, four, personal development, mental toughness, building your success, financial literacy. So starting with personal development, that's something that we need to always have, um, especially when you're going out into the career uh, to, to, to the career world mm-hmm. or anything. You always got to. Build your personal development, no matter what it is. That's we always right. got to build and make skills better. Whether if we want to go to college or not, you still got to you know, make your skills better. The next thing you're talking about, building your success. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to build success. Um, and what you want to do, um, so what I do with the kids, um, I take them through analogy of building the house. First, you have to have a foundation. You have the foundation, you have to build the walls, and then you have to build a roof. And I tell them your foundation is the education. Mm. It's up to you to build on top of that foundation if you want to go to college or be a business owner. And then the roof is is your security. You need health insurance, life insurance, 401k plan, things like that. Right. And then the next one is uh, mental toughness. And let me tell you, um, you always got to have some type of mental toughness when you do anything. Um, We're in a society today that's very um, challenging. That's very competitive. Like I say, you know, especially a lot of kids coming out of high school, you know, that's their real life. When they come out of high school, life's just started. And so if you're not mentally prepared, you know, life will eat you up. 
And then last one is financial literacy. Um, I don't mind talking about banking and saving and things like that, but you have to understand money. Yeah. And so what I did was for myself, uh, about the last six or seven years, I didn't really like myself financially, what I was doing finance. So I started studying rich people and seeing what the secret was. Or what, there's no secret, it's just a mindset. But what rich people learn how to do is understand money, how to manage money, and how to get it. So that's a little bit thing. So I always want them to understand money as well, too. Brother, we got listeners all over the country who are working with youth and who are working with the reentry population, both inside the prison and out. We didn't even really get a chance to talk about working with the families yeah, of people that, who are incarcerated because that's it. the mentoring side, yeah. too, because we, we work with that a lot. Right. Give us the different avenues and the ways, the different ways that we can contact you direct. Okay. One, you can um, contact me. My regular email address, which is wygdlife at hotmail.com. Uh, you can contact me on my website, which is wygdlife.net. And then you can personally call me. I don't mind this. Uh, my phone number is 480-526-2291. You got a Facebook page, brother? You know, everybody's I'm, I'm in just getting it up. I'm just building one for um, for WYGD right now. Okay, yeah. so, so, so you will have a Facebook page? I will have a Facebook page, mm-hmm. You know, so 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 James, man, we we didn't really get deep, so I'm definitely going to have you come back to the yeah, show. Yeah, I love to. I love but to. brother, I, I want to thank you so much for joining okay. us. I mean, that time flew by. Yeah, it went fast. So get in <laughs> touch with James. His website is w y g as in good, d as in David, w y g d life dot net n e t. Thank you for joining us, and look. Tune in. Thank you for tuning in, for joining us. Send us your questions and comments to info at fathermatters.org. Thank you always. Four years going on our fifth years together to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. Look, we're going to see you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless.